I'd like to take a minute to talk about one of our sponsors, Parker Sporlin and Thermostatic Expansion Valves. How can you guys always have the right thermostatic expansion valve for the right application without having to carry hundreds of valves in your truck? Well, that's simple. Using Sporlin's interchangeable cartridge-style valves. The Q valve for conventional and the BQ valve for balance port. It, it, it's as easy as one, two, three. It serves thousands of unique applications. So one, you just select a thermostatic element for your application. Two, you select the body style you need. Three, you select the right size cartridge for the application. These easy to select and assemble valves mean you always have the right valve for the job on your truck. For more information on the Q and BQ valves, visit Sporlin.com. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Doesn't matter. There are only four rules you need to remember. Make the plan, execute the plan, expect the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. Some people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You load 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Hi guys, welcome to the Advanced Refrigeration Training Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Compass. Today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a short episode, like a tech tip kind of thing. And uh, we're going to go over condensers, mostly issues in the summertime and checking to make sure that the condenser is operating efficiently and properly. So first things first, guys, I've been seeing like a lot of condensers just in our area with sprinklers on them that never needed them before. And I've been seeing them all over the internet with sprinklers on them. Putting sprinklers on an air-cooled condenser is probably one of the worst things you could do. It's just going to calcium it up and destroy it. So instead of putting a sprinkler on here, let's try to figure out the root cause of some of these problems. It may not be an undersized condenser. I've seen that written up a lot that uh, the condenser is undersized. So first and foremost, which I want to talk about a little bit, but what I found this weekend, some other things. Uh, so when you're looking at a condenser, I mean, even though the bottom looks clean, I mean, that thing could be four to five inches thick. So you want to really check out this thing to make sure it's not dirty or impacted. I've seen plenty of condensers where guys claim that they're undersized or, you know, not working properly. And then it ends up just being impacted with dirt because it wasn't properly cleaned because somebody just power washed it from the bottom. The only way to properly do this is to pull the tops of the fans and power wash it from the top down. I mean, it could take anywhere from three to four hours to get a condenser that's impacted cleaned again. So one thing, big thing, like when I'm walking up to a condenser, I'll, I'll check out the bottom to see how clean it is. I mean, if it's spotless on the bottom, like somebody cleaned it off and we're still having head pressure issues, I mean, it's pretty suspect. So I'm gonna check a few things. The telltale sign that you have an impacted condenser with dirt 
if you go to the fans and they're blowing out the side of the shroud and not straight up, that means that condenser's plugged. So when a prop fan uh, gets air restricted to it, it ends up blowing out the sides and not straight up. And then another telltale sign is increased amp draw in the motors. So if you look at the motors, you may have, you know, half an amp to like three quarters of an amp difference higher. And it doesn't seem like much, but on some stores where they size their VFDs pretty tight, I mean, that could cause some VFD overamping issues and some nuisance alarms. I've actually seen it raise the amp draw on a condenser as high as like 10 to 12 amps. I mean, I can look at some stores where we have EMS graphs and we're looking at the, I can see the VFD and you can see the VFD as the condenser gets plugged, the amp draw on the motors go up like 10 to 12 amps because now that prop fan is restricted and when you restrict the prop fan, the amp draw goes up on like a squirrel cage where it's the opposite. So one thing is you want to check that and make sure you're not impacted with dirt. The next thing you want to make sure is, I've seen this a lot, you want to make sure you have the proper motors. And by that I mean, I mean the proper motors where you're not using uh, non-OEM motors or motors that have the wrong RPMs or motors that uh, are universal motors like the juggernauts. I refuse to use those things because they fall through condensers all the time and they don't last. So you, what you want to do is you want to make sure you get the correct motor, correct RPMs, the correct voltage, the co correct uh, horsepower and service factor because that's going to affect it all. And then the other thing is you want to make sure you have the correct blades. You want to have the OEM blades on there. D putting loud different fan blades on there is going to change... The condenser TD, it's going to change everything. So you want to make sure you have the correct motors and blades for your application. So you want to make sure all that's proper. And then the other thing is I found a couple the other day where, you know, big 12 fan condensers, well, evidently somebody had changed a few motors here and there. Well, they never got the rotation right. So I had two to three motors spinning backwards. And yeah, I mean, that's a quality control issue but still that's going to cause issues I mean and if you just jumped up there and looked it's kind of hard to see that they're spinning backwards I had, to, I had to walk on top of the condenser and look at each motor but that's another thing to just keep in mind make sure that all the motors are spinning the proper way and they're all blowing up straight and then as you're going through this condenser if that all checks out and it's clean and you got good airflow and it's flowing up properly the next part i would do is uh, check your td so if you look at the rack legend there should be a design td on the rack legend you know it's going to be it's usually less than what the rack legend says so if the rack is sized for like a 10 degree td usually it ends up being closer to like seven like medium temp ends up being closer also because you gotta remember they size these condensers for full load operation. And on a grocery store, we're not usually full load operation very much. So that's why it shouldn't really be oversized unless they added a ton of cases and we're just running at max. So check your TD. You know, your TD is gonna be refrigerant temperature, saturated condensing temperature versus outdoor air temp. You know, you should be right in line with that. If you see a really high TD, 
that could indicate a couple things. It could indicate the condenser's overloaded. It could also indicate that the condenser is dirty. So you want to check that. And then the next thing is a real important test. This could tell you a lot. You want to check your drop leg temps. If you got you know really high pressures and then you have drop leg temps that are uh, you know ambient temperature or just you know really cool. So say you end up getting like 15, 20 degrees of subcooling in the middle of summer out of a condenser. That's not going to happen on a supermarket application. You're lucky to get two to five degrees of subcooling out of a condenser on a supermarket application. So if you're getting more than that and you're getting um, high subcooling, high subcooling is an indication in the summertime, like especially when it's hot like that and you have high pressure, that's an indication of uh, non-condensables. So you want to do, go ahead and do a non-condensable test. I've seen this a lot too where guys are throwing sprinklers on and we end up having non-condensables. So easiest way to do a non-condensable test is shut the rack down, run the fans for about half an hour, and see where, where your condenser pressure uh, lines up. With uh, blended refrigerants, you should be at about the midpoint, plus or minus you know, a few degrees. With non-blended refrigerants, like 404 and 507, you should be at your uh, refrigerant temperature, I would say plus or minus two or three degrees. So this is where your uh, your issues come in. So if you have non-condensables in there, you're eating up a lot of that condenser space where you would be desuperheating and then condensing. So those non-condensables end up eating up the condenser, and then you know it. Somebody throws a sprinkler on there to try to solve the problem. Yeah, it makes the pressure come down, but it doesn't solve the real problem, which is non-condensables. So that's why looking at your drop leg temps is a big, you know, telltale sign. If you've got really cool drop leg temps and high pressure, I mean, you have a condenser issue, non-condensables, something like that going on, or some kind of restriction. The next thing I look at the drop leg temps is, you know, out of the condenser, like six inches out of the condenser, make sure they're pretty even. If you have one condenser that has way lower drop leg temps, that may be an indication that the other condenser is doing more work. So the other side of the condenser, so say side A is doing, you know, has a drop leg temp of 71 and side B has a drop leg temp of 68. Side A may be doing more, maybe getting more flow for some reason, you need to look. Just like all the piping should be equal on the condenser, meaning you shouldn't have like a split solenoid on one side, not the other. That's why you see two solenoids or you see two check valves you want to have that condenser piped equally because that refrigerant is going to choose the path of least resistance so that's why you always see all these oems with you know both sides of the condenser split and full having the same valves even though they're not utilized but the piping has to be equal so if you don't see that it's going to cause one side of the condenser to have less of a pressure drop, and then that side's gonna do more work because the refrigerant's gonna favor that side because it has less flow restriction. So. Hey guys, I wanna take a break and talk about Westermeyer, one of our other sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Westermeyer Industries, the leader in oil management and pressure vessels for the commercial refrigeration industry. 
Repairing refrigeration lighting can be performed quickly and profitably by utilizing the Illuminosity Kensington Refrigeration LED. Kensington was developed by the supermarket refrigeration community to be a near-universal solution for refrigeration lighting repairs. At Illuminosity, we saw the frustration of technicians making multiple trips to the store sites to determine the correct parts. Labor pileups, dispatch remains open for months, high prices for the replacement parts by the OEM, and customers refusing to pay for all this effort, leading to unbillable or end-of-life invoices. Our goal was to develop the Swiss Army Knife LED that technicians can carry on their trucks or at their shops to provide a one-and-done lighting repairs at a profit. Once your customers experience the clean, bright Kensington LED, they will be asking for more and making you more profits. The Kensington LED features secure metal mounting bracket for an internal driver, near universal solution for reach-in doors and air cases, walk-in and prep rooms, one-and-done repairs, easy and labor-efficient to install, They have a built-in LED driver that has a universal 120-277 volt input, easy and secure mounting, HVAC and refrigeration contractors in the United States. They're made for damp locations, rated IP44. They have a seven-year warranty, available in four, five, and six-foot lengths, and they're tested in all major brands of refrigeration units. They're also utilized by most of the major. For information and pricing, please contact Pete Murata at Illuminosity. His email is Pete, P-E-T-E, at I-L-U-M-I-N-O-S-I-T-Y dot com. His cell phone number is 209-814-8129. Check out Kensington Refrigeration LED and our full line of quality products at www.iluminosity.com that's www.i-l-u-m-i-n-o-s-i-t-y.com thanks for listening guys that's one thing to keep in mind when you're going through this so just check and make sure that all the piping's proper Another big thing, I mean, it doesn't cause a huge amount of issues, but it definitely reduces condenser efficiency. Um, Making sure that the condenser is piped properly and level. I mean, it seems like that should be, you know, common sense, but I found a condenser the other day. It was tilted to the right side by quite a bit, and it was to the point where it was throwing off the level, liquid level, leaving the condenser in the tubes. So it was causing head pressure issues, and if you looked, the right-hand side had a way cooler drop leg temp than the left-hand side because the liquid wasn't draining out of the uh, right-hand side properly. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And then when you're piping a condenser, the first 6 to 12 inches out of the condenser should be a full-size 90 pointing down before you reduce because you want to have like a sewer drain type style you want to have a full-size drain coming down and then 90 down and point down and then reduce i see this a lot in construction when guys mess up and they don't know what they're doing they end up taking a uh, reducing fitting and reducing right out of the uh, condenser outlet when you do that you actually the Reducing bushing actually raises the outlet of the condenser. 
depending on the sizing, I mean, you can go from two and five eighths on the outlet down to inch and five. I mean, you're going to raise the, the outlet of that condenser almost an inch to an inch and a half with the, with the bell reducer. So, I mean, you're raising the level inside that condenser so it doesn't have that free drain anymore. So you end up backing up liquid in there and then that ends up cutting down your space for condensing. So, I mean, it probably doesn't kill the condenser a whole lot, but it may be enough where it causes issues in the summertime and in the middle of the heat. So that's one thing to keep in mind when you're looking at these, make sure they're properly piped and they have that nice sewer drain and they have that nice even flow. And then the last thing we're gonna talk about is actually checking the size of the condenser. So is it undersized? I mean, it very well could be. So you wanna check the, the THR of the condenser, which is, this is how we size condensers. We don't size condensers on BTUs, we size it on THR, which is total heat rejection. So if you look on the legend of the rack, every rack has a THR. So the way you find your THR is gonna be your total BTUs of the compressors and then their heat of rejection, plus their, I mean, plus their heat of rejection. So if you look at it, so every compressor has a THR. So you're gonna have your BTUs that compressor can, you know, do on, a, on, a, on its own, like so say a compressor does 61,000 BTUs and then it has a 10,000 uh, BTU heat of rejection. So it'd be 70,000 BTUs total is what that, what that requires versus for condenser. So heat of rejection comes from motor heat, um, heat just from the compressor, uh, pistons and everything else and compressing. So all that superheat we have to get rid of. Now, you add up all the THRs of every compressor and it gets your total THR. And then you look at your condenser and you choose a condenser that is uh, sized properly for that THR. And then you look at your ambient air and then you'll have a TD on there. So it'll say at 95 degrees with a 10 degree TD, we're good for you know 60 THR or 70 THR. So that, that's how you size your condenser. So, I mean, it doesn't take very long to look up the, the bone literature or the, the crack literature to go through it to see if your condenser is properly sized. So that's one thing, it doesn't take very long. Another thing that guys don't really realize that greatly affects your condenser, which goes in line with this THR, if you have high compressor superheat, you're going to raise your THR, which is in turn going to make your condenser smaller. So if you keep your, your discharge and suction superheats down, you're going to make that condenser more efficient. The lower you keep your discharge temps, the better off your compressors are and the more efficient that condenser is. I mean, we've taken stores where they've had like massive condenser issues after they're cleaned and they're still kind of struggling a little bit. And we've gone through and uh, cleaned all the strainers and tanked all the superheats. Got the superheat the rack like 25, 30 degrees. Discharge temps came down like 15 to 30 degrees. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but that ends up reducing the 
spotted that condenser where it's doing the superheating and ends up allowing more space to condense now. And we ended up getting a lot more performance out of the condenser to the point where they stopped having head pressure issues, ended up lowering the pressure like 15, 20 pounds in the middle of summer to peak. So that's one thing to keep in mind, just, you know, checking all that stuff and then making sure your superheats are all good on all your cases. But so that's my brief overview. I mean, try to keep the sprinklers off the condensers. I mean, especially micro channels. I remember last year we, I was at a company and uh, they forgot to take the sprinkler off a micro channel, brand new condenser, really hard water. It actually melted the aluminum, like the calcium destroyed the aluminum so bad on the micro channels. I think it was like five out of six slabs were leaking and it was like a six month old condenser because we ended up losing a couple motors and somebody forgot between parts and everything else. But so you don't want to leave the sprinklers on guys. They destroy stuff. And then if you guys do leave a sprinkler on, it does lime up on you. The best thing I've found to get rid of the lime is red lime. It's for cleaning chillers, but I ended up mixing it up in a bucket and then pouring it down the top of the condenser to make sure it's clean. And then, I mean, you could usually power wash it out. Last thing I want to talk about is cleaning. So you're going to want to clean these things from the top down. Um, I'm not going to lie. If I'm there on a service call and a condenser's plugged, yeah, I'm going to clean it from the bottom. I'm just going to spray it off at an angle just to, just to hose off the bottom and get everything off of it. You know, that way I can get the, everything back up. But if it needs properly cleaned, you need to pull the fan grates off the top and you need to pressure wash it from the top down. And you need to soak it with chemical or depending on what it is or some kind of detergent. I like the Viper products because um, they don't eat my skin like the New Bright does. So I want to, you know, clean it from the top down. I'll, I'll let it soak real good and then I'll power wash it out till it stops like becoming black. It's, the water should be coming out clean. If it's still coming out dirty, it's still impacted and dirty. So make sure you take the time to actually do it. And if you have the side doors, like the crack coils where they got the side doors, get a power washer, uh, swivel adapter. Home Depot has them like for DeWalt. They make them like an adapter. You could change the swivel on it to like 90 degrees and you can go right in there with the side doors and you could easily power wash that without bending fins or anything else. It's like a $30 fitting. Same thing with like single units. This all applies to single units too. Everything we talked about, if the, if the fan's not blowing out you know, straight, that's an issue. But on single units, you want to go ahead and you, you want to wash the coils from the other side. You want to pull the fan out. And you want to wash them out the other way. I've seen way too many times guys will clean a condenser and say it's still dirty. Well, it's like three, four inches thick. And, I mean, you may have to pull the top of the condenser apart and, you know, pour cleaner in there and then wash it back and forth. I mean, I've seen stuff getting packed. I, I went on one the other day that contractor had sprinklers running on like five or six single units. And every single one of them was plugged. You know, they said the condensers were clean and... They're blown out sideways. I ended up taking like two gallons of New Bright and I spent a couple hours with an apprentice and we were able to get them all clean. So that's just one thing to keep in mind, guys. Just uh, try to keep those sprinklers off and uh, try to find a root cause. I know it's hot out there and everybody's busy, but uh, it just makes everybody's life easier when uh, there's no sprinklers because a 
couple years of sprinklers and that condenser is trashed. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, have a nice night. And where down we go, 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 Well, first of all, through God, all things are possible, so jot that down.